Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Tops Panini, and Upper Deck. This is really ramblings over lunch. I was with an old friend, Mike Obert, worked for our company and did a great job, especially in the ad sales department, and now is a publisher with his own company. And Alex Oswasinski, advanced collector. Alex is a new friend now, but Mike and Alex are in a small group of other entrepreneurs that get together on a monthly basis and help each other. And I guess they were talking and Alex found out that Mike and I were friends. And so they came over for lunch. Hence, you may hear some munching in the background as we just talked over the lunch table with the recorder on. Pretty wide ranging, just calling it ramblings. Perhaps it's mostly me rambling, but Alex is a very serious collector. He's got some fabulous stuff and we got to the end when I saw that and I thought, wow, we should have talked about that. He says he has the only front signed copy of Wilt's rookie card and he's got a, a Bill Russell autographed rookie cards. A lot of that's been talked about lately about signed rookie cards. Alex specializes in basketball and football, had some great stuff. And so showed him around a little bit, caught up with Mike and here's our conversation. We were talking about autographed rookie cards. They've always been in the background. They're coming to the foreground now. With that comes the opportunity for ill-gotten gain. Auto pens and other kinds of technologies, scary to somebody who's spent a lot of money for something that has a pop 10 with the autograph, equivalent to the populations of some of the very top grades. So equivalent scarcity to a very high-grade specimen. Man, you can't get more if the person's dead. So you're concerned that might be a problem for uh, this decade. This stuff is happening right now. So it's not like our kids will be affected by this. I think auto pens will get better, but our graders have to get better. Back at grading and back at authentication, we talked about that. You have to stay ahead of the technology. It's almost like you hire a hacker on staff to try to fool the graders. And on the inside of a grading team, how do you almost force that into the organization to be like an FBI or something. The graders, they have to take their job really seriously. And Mike remembers some of the guys that they're super serious, but they've got to be equipped with the latest tools. And the forgeries are either going to be mechanical or they're going to be artistic. Somebody that's a brilliant forger, which has happened all throughout history. The technology thing of having somebody perfectly replicate, that's there now. Can they perfectly replicate the pressure on the paper? Or maybe the pressure is too even. The age of the feel. ink. Yeah, but as soon as we say these things you know, for the podcast, people say, okay, you know, make sure we get the <laughs> age of the ink and the paper. But the forgers have done that. They've gotten mm -hmm. ink from that period. You can't do a Sharpie for somebody that died in the 30s. But any Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig autograph on a card while they're playing would be really expensive. So for the bad guys, it's worth them trying to fool. The graders just have to catch it. And the other thing is, as I'm pontificating now, there needs to be greater punishment to go to prison, not pay a fine, get slapped on the wrist. I'd like to see the hobby, as it gets bigger, treated as a real industry where when bad guys do bad things, they go to prison. That's happened a little bit, but this is not just a kid's hobby where kids are just messing around and... A few dollars here and a few dollars there. It's scary if there's punishments and people realize that crime doesn't pay. Right now, crime would pay if you get away with it. Because even if you get caught, okay, that's a problem in American society. Crime should not pay. Yeah, the risk is, is still worth it because of that. Right. Yeah. Huh. 
But I love autograph cards. I'll show you some of mine. Okay. Rookie cards specifically. The player interacted with this card in addition to just being a piece of cardboard that was printed somewhere. That combination, it's like almost unbeatable, collectible. It's meaningful. And people are doing that thought process. And yeah, I agree. Now for me, I was collecting these cards before rookie cards really were a thing. So it was just getting the first card of the guy autographed. And I mailed out from back in the old days and got some from trade and all that. And it was always cool. It would be the guy's first card. So I wasn't thinking, hey, this is going to be really valuable in 2023. I was thinking, hey, this is his first card. It's, it's autographed. That adds another level of distinction. Yeah. Do you think we're in a rookie card bubble? Do you think since COVID and Gary V's and like the rookie card is the way to go? Has it gone to a level? Because when I talk to the old football guys, they love the bazooka Jim Brown. <laughs> but it feels like the new generation of collectors hasn't appreciated those year five super rare cards and things like that. I think the 90s inserts are coming back now, are coming into vogue, exceeding like a 86 Jordan Fleer comes down, the PMG. I agree, but basically it's yeah. usually been a hobby more affected by demand than supply. You can have the rarest card out there but if not that many people want it or want to pay big bucks for it, it just sits there. But a huge card that has everybody chasing it, even if the supply is much greater, like an 86, 87 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, there's a lot of them out there. Way more than the PMGs. But more and more have realized, hey, supply really matters. Base cards, even if they're PSA 10s or BGS black labels even, they're great cards, but there could be a lot of them out there. And so a move towards scarcity is generally what a lot of people are doing. And that's probably pretty wise. It gets expensive unless you get in early. As far as the rookie card bubble, I don't see it as one giant bubble. It's like a spotlight. I don't think it's a big spotlight. I think it's LED lights to where there's rookie card bubbles popping all the time. Wander Franco's rookie card bubble popped a couple weeks ago. But did that bring everything down? Oh, I can't buy any rookie cards anymore. No, I think rookie cards are here to stay. But as you mentioned, with the concept of what value is, like we did in the price guide days, is that it has to be supply and demand. And if it's the guy's first card and more people chase it, that's going to be great as long as more people are chasing it at the price that it is. If it's autographed, so much the better. But the hobby's becoming more and more nuanced, I think. Back in the day, we had a monthly price guide that came out. That was what it was. But now there's many voices and a lot of influencers out there that try to say, here's the way to do it. Yeah. Sometimes they're touting their own stuff. And the problem is, Alex, they can't really tout something that is not out there very much. They can't tout something they have that's more limited, like you said, of the autograph rookie cards. It's hard to tout that. Because nobody has a giant stash of the old There's nothing to gain. So they can't be controlled. They might have one. So you okay. Exactly. Which, it's interesting. I've watched certain niches of cards get the influencer blow up, and then there's like an echo that goes around. Of, this is the cool. And then I think there's like an eye fatigue that sets in of all the people that follow them. Then that card reaches a peak and comes down. I'm talking about like high supply base cards. And that cycle seems to be shortening and shortening. Do you think we'll look back at the COVID and immediate post-COVID period? Is there an equivalent in the 90s that happened? Or is this just a totally unique period because of social media and because of pop counts being out there now? That The pandemic of the 90s was the baseball strike in 94, I think, that affected society. Not affected society, but really the world of baseball you just shut down. 
and the world with the pandemic shut down. And so people didn't come back. COVID had the opposite thing. They had more people coming in when there was nothing to do. Some have left now, but a bunch have stayed. Especially by the national. Oh, uh, wow. State. That was great. That, that exceeded your expectations as far yes, as crowd. Yes. Yeah. Pretty surreal. <laughs> but if you go around loudly looking for autographed rookie cards, you're going to pay a good high price. Most of the guys are going around quietly looking for autograph rookie cards. And you have to talk it down. Hey, how much for that card there with the scribble on the front? <laughs> <laughs> Again, if it's authenticated already, you have some confidence in that and they know what they have. But there's still stuff out there that's not been authenticated. And the problem with that is that a lot of rookie cards and others that got autographed, they weren't the gem mint cards. You'd send them to a player or you'd put it in your pocket or you'd go to a, a show. So they weren't always the best condition cards. Yeah. And so you wouldn't necessarily grade it for the card grade in many cases, but you'd want to make sure the autograph was authenticated. I feel like the popularity of basketball and football and sports and just fantasy football, the spread of NBA, this is no secret to anybody that mm -hmm. the macro growth of the sports is huge and baseball has leveled off and is a very American sport. So is football, but I fear that there's just a lot more baseball cards going back and people kept them for longer. Whereas basketball, you got 48, 57, 61. You have lots more. Just, it's exactly. A lot less supply compared to the amount of eyeballs and brains that know and have emotional attachment to the sport in the last 10, 20 years that are then going to have disposable income. And their 52 mantle is going to be the 61 will or whatever. And it feels like that macro flow That's would possible, happen. but yeah, no, flow is the right word, Alex, because when we started the magazines, our big decision was to make a different magazine for each sport. And that really turned out to be the right decision. But what we've seen is that some people collect only basketball. Some people collect everything. Some people collect football, some football and basketball, baseball and football, soccer and basketball, whatever. There's all kinds of combinations, but consequently, people are switching. So they're constantly checking out. Wait a minute. If a 52 mantle is this and the best 57 Bill Russell, you're constantly making these comparisons. For X dollars, what would I rather have? They have the best of the best, whatever. There's all kinds of ways to figure out is football overpriced compared to basketball, compared to baseball, compared to soccer, compared to wrestling. They're always comparing. That's healthy. That makes for a really dynamic market. But what people haven't figured out, it means that everything, even though it's not overpriced in itself, it can be overpriced compared to, I'm not going to buy that because this over here is a much better deal. So I think it's really smart to do more than one sport. And they've done that in the sense that, hey, don't buy basketball in the middle of the season or at the playoffs or something when it's hot, buy it when it's cold. Yeah. You're never going to be a Warren Buffett that way of collecting, but you're going to maybe make some arbitrage through seasons. I'm a buy and hold guy. Yeah. Same. I mean, like boxing, quote unquote, dead sport, whatever. Logan Paul, maybe. But Bring it back. Yeah. Beautiful cards and boxing and baseball. hundred years old too. Old it was way up there originally. And when I first started in the seventies, boxing was, it's just as legit as football and basketball. And it, now it's cheap. Some, now it's cheap. Even the older stuff. stuff, yeah. Yeah, I bought a couple of Sugar Ray Robinson, the 47, that red card. You can get it in great condition. How old it is. He's 
the goat of boxing in a lot of ways. And for 100, 200 bucks, it's just that or any other sport. I'm saying not that you're being cerebral and not that you're being emotional, but both of those are involved with thinking, hey, this doesn't feel right or it doesn't pass the analytical test of why. Because the supply, you can get an idea of the supply, not just with looking at pop reports, but just looking around and historically knowing it helps for me. But you're, you're sitting there trying to figure it out and making the comparisons. So that's why there won't be a rookie card bubble except the bubble for a player. Somebody gets overheated or overblown and some air comes out. So when people are doing comps, the comps are a problem because comps on the way up, you really want to sell above comps. Comps on the way down, you want to sell at the older comp. So there's no substitute for knowing. I think it's good to know some not ancient history, but know some history, but also know what's going on right now. Is there something going on on the field? When I get cherry-picked of something I'm selling, I realize the guy hit two home runs last night. That's why it sold all of a sudden. No hitter. Yeah. So when you're at the National, I know you're still collecting, or you're selling some of your collect, you're net out maybe, but... I better you- be net out. I better be net out. That's what I promised my wife. One percent a month. But you're adding in 0.1% maybe. You're out 1.1. You're coming in. My wife was listening to this. I love what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'll remember that. Short term. Are you looking through boxing as modern? I'm just having fun with it. I'm trying to turn it back into a hobby. Mike was there in the company and I just kicked myself upstairs. Mm -hmm. And Mike's, you've Mm -hmm. done that. You've gone from being close to the action to being the boss. Yeah. It's not as much fun to be the boss because <laughs> then you have to do all the stuff instead of the stuff that you were hired to do that you love doing. Yeah. You get promoted to do stuff you don't want to do or you're the boss. Yeah. If somebody else doesn't do it, you got to make sure it gets yeah. done.